Welcome to Step Up, the podcast where we learn to advocate like a woman. I'm your host, Ellen Troxclair. Each week, we talk to a different leader about how she became active in policy and politics. Whether it's joining an organization or running for office, I hope you come away feeling not only supported and inspired, but determined to step up and be a part of shaping your community and country. Hi, this is Ellen Troxclair, and you're listening to Step Up, How to Advocate Like a Woman. Here with me today is Alice Johnson. Alice was sentenced to a mandatory life sentence plus 25 years without the possibility of parole for her role in a nonviolent federal drug case. This was her first and only conviction ever. Her story received worldwide attention when reality star and business mogul Kim Kardashian West advocated for her release from prison. And on June 6, 2018, President Trump granted clemency to her. And the world watched as she ran across the street into the arms of her family. Alice is here with us today to tell us more about her story and why she's continuing to advocate for people just like her. Alice, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me on your program today, Ellen. I think it's very, very important that we get the message out for criminal justice reform and also a message of hope. My story, I believe, is not just a message for prisoners. It's a message for all of America. 22 years behind bars, right? 21 years, seven months, six days. And I would tell you the number of hours and seconds, but when I received the news, my my mind went blank. All I could do was (laughs) scream and celebrate and thank God. And that whole time, I mean, you were expecting to spend your whole life there. How did you? maintain hope through those long, long years? Lose my faith. I was raised in a very strong family of believers and didn't know that I would have to draw upon that well of faith going into prison because I was told that the only way that I would ever rejoin my family would be as a corpse. Mm -hmm. I was told that I would take my last dying breath in a prison. In fact, a life sentence um, is defined as an unexecuted sentence of death in the federal system because there is no parole. The only thing that I saw stretching before me was a lifetime in prison. So I really had to reach deep into my faith and not allow my circumstances to define who I was. I didn't have to let prison get into me Mm. and make me a prisoner in my mind. And if you had been convicted today of that same crime, would you have also been sentenced to life without parole plus 25 years, or have the laws changed since the you were convicted? The laws have changed, but because the laws were not retroactive, they didn't apply to me. So I had to see people coming into prison who were convicted of way more than I was convicted of because my conviction was attempted possession I never possessed any drugs or sold any drugs. It was attempted possession. So it was based mainly on testimony, my conviction, and the ones who testified received much lower sentences when everything went down. And that's what happens when you uh, go to trial. I was offered a much shorter time in prison, but because I went to trial, literally I received what we now call the trial penalty for going. But I didn't, I don't want to focus on, because I'm Mm. not trying to retry my case. I Mm. did do something wrong, but it certainly was not what was said that I did. Mm. 
And I know many people say you do the crime, you do the time, but that time should be fair and just mm -hmm. based on the crime. So how many other people are in prison today under the previous laws? Too many. Too many are still in prison serving long sentences and many of them life sentences just like I was serving under laws that have since changed. I would not have been able to be convicted on that estimated quantity. I would have been home decades ago. Mm. One of the reasons that I think my case received so much attention is that people are, it's easy to read something about someone or to see a number and you can put it out of your head. But when you see a face, you mm -hmm. see a human life, you see families, it changes mm -hmm. your whole perspective. Because then you say, that lady is just like my grandmother, right. or that could be my sister. And I've never tried to say that I'm so innocent that I didn't do anything wrong. The only thing I'm saying is that the time did not fit it, mm -mm. fit the crime. So that's one of the things that I've been fighting for is to have fair laws. Also, the fact that there's no parole in the federal system is awful. There's parole in the state system. What makes a federal prisoner worse than a state prisoner for mm. the same crime? Mm. Yeah, all questions that you're working to help raise, oh, right, all across the country. Absolutely. I, I promise the women and also the men, even though it was women who I was in prison with, that I would never forget about them, that I will continue to fight for them because they don't have a voice. Mm. And so I, I, I feel that I have a duty to use my voice to put a magnifying glass on a very broken system. So when you were in prison for those long, almost 22 years, you wrote uh, in an op-ed that I saw on CNN about the hope that you maintained to be on that clemency list, right? Yes. There was a moment that he he announced that he was he was pardoning people and, and your name wasn't on the list. Why do you think that was or what was that like? It was a terrible time. For two years, the whole clemency project 2014 was going on and list after list were coming out. And we were positive that I was going to receive clemency. I had um, the entire time that I was in prison, I walked out with clear conduct. Mm -hmm. And one of the criteria was not having a bad uh, record in prison, not having a past criminal, big criminal background. Mm -hmm. I had no previous mm -hmm. criminal record. I came in with zero, never, never been in trouble in my entire life. I had the support of my warden who was writing letters, my captain, the staff. Uh, 270,000 people signed a petition for my release, but three different times I received a denial for my clemency. Being a woman of faith, Ellen, I have to tell you, you know, we live life looking forward, but we understand it looking backwards. Mm. So looking back at everything that happened to me and getting denied, I can now tell you that it was for such a time as this, that, as what Esther said, Maybe I was denied, or maybe she came into the kingdom is what she said, for such a time as this. It would not have been the same platforms in front right. of me. It would not have had the same impact because 1,715 uh, people received sentence commutations. I was commuted by myself, the only one who got an immediate release, so I'm on this big national platform, mm -hmm. I had to come out by myself. I, I'm, I'm very grateful and humbled to know that God would entrust me with such a task as this, to have that that I'm carrying, because literally, Ellen, I've been carrying others, I'm going to say 
in my heart. I've been carrying them with me in this fight because I'm not the only one who was left behind doing that whole clemency initiative. Mm -hmm. But now I have a platform to be able to speak for them. And yeah, if it wasn't for that situation, then you then you wouldn't be able to be as strong of an advocate. You wouldn't have the same platform. Right, I believe this is part of what my destiny became. Everything happens for a reason. It happened for a reason. And we know we know what that reason is now. At the time, were you given a reason? No, when you're denied clemency, you're Mm -hmm. never told why. Mm -hmm. You just get a denial letter, and really, they don't tell the attorneys. They don't tell any Mm -hmm. anyone. So you're left with. I was left with wondering what I could have done differently. What more can I do to attain my freedom? Because I've done everything that I can possibly think of. I was advocating even while I was in prison. Mm -hmm. And as I've said, I'm not trying to justify my actions or anything. I'm just saying that it didn't, it was, the the punishment was too Mm -hmm. severe and it didn't warrant it. I was probably what you call a pretty average person. I was married, uh, except I was married as a teenager, <laughs> had a very tumultuous relationship. Me and my husband had five children. We divorced after 19 years, but I always had a desire in me to strive to do better, to impact things differently. So I've always been a fighter, and the odds were even against a teenage mother succeeding, but I, in life, became a manager with FedEx for I worked for them for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I was a manager in computer ops and then customer support. But when I lost my job, things just went crazy in my life. I had started gambling, and that's really what led Mm -hmm. to the loss of my job. In a panic, I made a very foolish decision to become involved in illegal activities. I've never had a criminal mind, as I would have at 41 going into prison. I would have done some things before then. It was <laughs> right. it, it, it really was just at a pressure point in my life. My youngest son had gotten killed on his scooter, a scooter accident. Um, and I just didn't know what to do. My house was being foreclosed on, and someone approached me about an opportunity, which ended up being an opportunity from hell, Mm-hmm. because that would take me away from my children. So the very thing that I'm trying to do is find a way out of this and provide for my children mm-hmm. caused me to be separated from mm-hmm. them for over two decades. And But I didn't let that, even when I got to prison, even in the darkest place, I did not let that stop me from trying to live life. I'd made a decision that the only way they can take my life is if I give it to them. So I am going to see what I can do to impact where I am right now. Mm -hmm. It became my motto that if you can do good, do it. And even in prison, you can do good. And I found myself being able to impact the lives of the women by writing plays and introducing them to theater, huge productions. And I would always say that when they walked into the building where we were having the production, for that Two hours, I want them to not feel as if they're in prison. Mm -hmm. I want them to have that dignity. I would tell them, dress up in your best. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they would come in as if they were going to a show, Mm -hmm. as if they were going to an outside theater. And the people who were in the plays would invite all of their friends to come and, and see them in the productions. I had artists, many women who didn't even realize they had such gifts, singers, prop makers. I even choreographed praise dance in the plays that I'd write. And they became life-changing. 
They became the things that would turn people around because mm-hmm. it's now someone believes in me. Right. I have value. Um, I can do something and finish it and succeed. And many of them were hearing applause for them for the first time in mm-hmm. their lives. So a few years, just a couple of short years after your name was not on that clemency list or any of the clemency lists <laughs> that came out, you got on the radar somehow with yes. Kim Kardashian. Yes. How did that happen? I'd been doing, uh, in fact, I was the only prisoner that had this much favor that could do this. I spoke at the University of Yale. I spoke at New York University, the University of Washington in Seattle, Hunters College. I was speaking at Google and YouTube events from prison. So the last thing that I I did was a video op-ed for Mike.com. And the second, it went viral within 24 hours. And by the way, when I heard that it had gone viral, Ellen, that scared me because I thought I had introduced a virus into the internet (laughs) because there was no internet when I went to prison. Right. But uh, it caught the attention of Kim Kardashian and she re- she retweeted it out after since she's in fact it is a miracle. She said she had not been on her phone on Twitter in some days, and she turned her phone on, turned Twitter on, and my face popped up. She mm. pressed Twitter, and she heard me. She saw my face, heard my story, and she tweeted out, "This is so unfair." Then she contacted her attorney, Sean Holly, who found me in prison. And act, uh, the only thing that she told me is that a very wealthy and famous woman wants to help you get out of prison. She wants to hire me to represent you. Would you like that? I said, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, it will be two days later that I find out. I thought it was Chris Jenner. I started researching all of Sean Holly's clients to see who they were, and I saw that she represented the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. And when I told my daughter, I was excited. I said, I think it's Chris Jenner. And she said, what if it's Kim Kardashian? I said, Kim who? <laughs> and she had to tell me who Kim was. Right, mm-hmm. right. So Kim uh, assembled a team of attorneys, and uh, they assembled the team. They called themselves Team Alice. Kim contacted Ivanka Trump, who contacted her husband, and they became a part of Team Alice. So I've got this big team and other advocates out there who are fighting for me uh, for seven months. They fought to get an audience with the president. And on my birthday, which was like the best sign, Kim went in to see the president with uh, Sean Holly. And uh, seven days later, at number of completion, I was running across the road into the arms of my wow. family. And wow. since then, I've been running ever since. Wow. I yeah. haven't slowed down. So, so how long ago was this now? A year and seven months. If you see that segment of Keeping Up with the Kardashians where she's the one on the phone telling me that I can go home, I didn't even know I was being released that day. Oh, wow. Within hours. Well, they uh, we contacted my family right then, and they a caravan was seen coming down the road to this prison in Alabama, which incidentally was Aliceville. So it was like Alice in Aliceville. <laughs> and they picked me up. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't know that that Tuesday night when I went to bed would be my last time sleeping on a cot and waking up to concrete under my feet. So it all happened really fast. Very, very fast. It was a whirlwind. And I was just, I was thrust out into a new world. It felt like I was landing on Mars because when I got in the car with my daughter, I heard this 
I heard someone talking. She said, beginning route. I'm like, who is that in this car? <laughs> it was the GPS. Yeah. No one prepared me for GPS. Uh, so yeah, I mean, after after being isolated for 22 years, there were probably so many things. I mean, what a the you said you didn't know the internet or there was no Facebook. There was no nothing when I went to prison. There was no internet. Yeah. So I'm coming out and I don't even know how to answer the phone. I'm looking at this when I did. I wanted the phone because I saw everyone walking around looking and texting. There was no texting. I'm like, what? I want that too. I'm, I'm like, what is that that they're doing? <laughs> they had to explain to me that they're texting and even just walking down the street, everyone is looking at their phones almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it must have been such a shock. It's like a, a opening a time capsule or, or something, that's what or I a reverse like. time capsule. That's exactly. I had been, it was like I had been cut off from the world. But Ellen, in a way, it was a blessing for me to not have to come out with my own thinking and my own mm-hmm. ideas. I hadn't been indoctrinated to certain ways of thinking. Um, so I came out with a fresh look at the world yeah. and forming my own opinions. That's and, uh, that's a that's an incredible blessing in this day and age because yes. we, we live in a such a divisive, you know, polarized. It was not like that cycle. when I went to prison. When I went to prison, it didn't matter what party you was associated with, whether you were Democrat, Independent, Republican, no one, it was not serious like that. It's just, and it wasn't so much, uh, you've got to, you've got to believe what I believe as I'm going to counsel you. Mm-hmm. You're canceled out. You're no right. longer my friend. I'm deleting you. Right. I mean, people delete you for crazy stuff. Right. Yeah. We. It. It does seem like it's become so just so polarized and a and, and tribalistic in a in a very disheartening way. But honestly, this I still have hope for us as a nation because you you hear all of this stuff. They've said that 10% of the people make the most noise. There's still that 90% mm-hmm. that's out there. And the people that I have met in my travels have been just people, right. lovely people. Right. And so that gives me so much hope for this nation and hopeful. Who does not want the best for their families? Right. Yep. We all share that in common. We no, share that in common. Regardless of what, other, what else we disagree on, we, want we the all just best. want the best for our families. We do. We just want the best mm-hmm. for our families. And we want to live in peace among each other. Mm-hmm. People can can do all of that rhetoric and put stuff out on the Internet. But when you meet the people, and personally, they don't act like that. It's they, People hide behind uh, their computers and say crazy stuff. But just out here, I have not met the craziness. I've read it, but I right. haven't met it. Right. You see it online, and it seems so pervasive Yeah. online and on social media. And if you media. read all that, you'll start becoming hopeless right. and think that every everyone is just fighting, fighting. That's not how it really is. So, so it sounds like you're... Uh, advice your cure for that is to talk to people that's just what realize i realize that the people around you in whatever community or whatever capacity even if you might disagree it's not they're just people they're you, just you still people. have fine commonalities we do if we start finding stuff that we have that's more alike we'll find that we have more stuff in common with mm-hmm. each other than we thought that we ever had if we don't put labels on people and let that be the cause of us being separated from each other what about if we find some stuff that we can agree on? There's so much stuff that we can agree on. There's more stuff we can agree on than stuff that we don't mm-hmm. agree on. Yeah, well, and and I 
think that criminal justice reform is a good example of a, of a place where you where we have found some common ground between the left and the right. Um, you know, certainly at TPPF, they have really pioneered and, and advocated for criminal justice reform and been very successful in, um, you know, showing showing the facts and the figures and putting putting a face to the these stories of criminal justice where the where the crimes really the punishment really does not match the crime. That's right. Um, and 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 they've they've gotten they've found support from from and the left as well. That's really the reason that I uh, be, be, became drawn to TPPF. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think that I why am I associated with? Uh, I'm not from Texas, right? But they really have not just. It's not just about Texas. It's about the nation. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about the things that concern this nation. Their right on crime is really right on crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are using smart solutions and rethinking the way that we've always thought about punishment. Uh, the model that they have is not so much uh, geared toward um, punishment, but it's, it's geared toward re, uh, rehabilitation and redemption. You've got to have a balance. There mm-hmm. does. You've got to have that prong of retribution. Mm-hmm. But that also needs to be tempered with mercy. So in, in addition to helping at Texas Public Policy Foundation get the word out, um, what, what else what, what else is your, is your life filled with now? What other kind of advocacy work are you, are you focused on? Uh, I'm really focused a lot, too, on second chance hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very, very important that when people come home, they have an opportunity for jobs. I was just able to push for the Fair Chance Act mm-hmm. and uh, help move that needle forward. And the president signed it. You don't hear a lot about it, but he signed it into law in December. Tell us about that. What the is that? Fair Chance Act means that people with criminal backgrounds can now apply for government jobs the first time ever. And so that's going to have a big impact on millions of families, millions of lives, millions of communities now because they're not, when they were in prison, they were locked in. And when they came out, they were locked out of an opportunity for good Mm -hmm. jobs. And this is, with the federal government being the uh, leader in this, we're hoping that private, and many private companies have already started it, big companies. Right. And so we're hoping that the private sector will pick up on it and give uh, ex-offenders an opportunity and the dignity of a good job. So... This this idea you said that there are many people still in prison who were convicted under previous laws who you know would be would basically be out today if yes. they had been convicted under the current mm-hmm. laws. Mm-hmm. Is there? I mean, what is what is the practical reality of options for them? Do they? Is there any hope that they that their cases would be looked at and their punishment? You know, uh, kind of fit to what the current laws are, or do they have to depend on an individual clemency or some other kind of special presidential pardon process? What's, what, what is the reality for them? The reality is, is really organizations like Texas Public Policy Foundation, they're fighting to right these wrongs. Um, as you probably know, the First Step Act, uh, one of the a very extensive criminal justice reform bill that was signed in 2018, it righted many of those wrongs, but you still have people that didn't fit uh, under the First Step Act 
So if the First Step Act was received such a overwhelming bipartisan support, mm-hmm. as you said, Alan, that's the one thing that we can all agree on is that criminal justice reform, that the, the system has been broken, it has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And so what is taking place right now is we're looking at taking a, what's, what's, I, I would say it's a second look, having some avenue that's not just all clemency mm-hmm. where these people can have a second look possibly at their cases. And I know that those are things, because TPPF is a very huge, has a very huge think tank, Mm-hmm. And they research things like this, and they help lobby for things like mm-hmm. this too, of change and getting all sides involved. Because this is not a red or blue issue; it's an American issue. Yeah. So you, of course, have this compelling story and this and this great platform, but it would have been really easy for you to just have gotten out and gone back and lived a very quiet life with your family. How, I mean, what, what was it that is, is compelling you to spend your time and energy, you know, in the free world doing this kind of advocacy work? And how do you, what is your advice to others who have a, have, have an issue that they're passionate about, you know, regardless of what that issue is of how to be the most effective advocate? I would say pursue your passion, pursue what you're, pursue what you're passionate about, for me, I know that it is it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fighting, of course, not only for women, but for the men too, because it will affect both of them. I mm-hmm. say the women because that's who I spent time with, but I'm fighting for both of them. When you have gone and sat among them and been one of them, but for the grace of God, there go I. I can't forget about them. Mm-hmm. I can't stop fighting for them because I know that they're depending on me, I thought too, Ellen, that I always dreamed of coming home and just being a grandmama. I'm mm-hmm. a great grandmama now, being a sister, really? just doing things with my life and doing things maybe that I had not done before. But it's this pull and this tug at my heart. It's the sound of the women who were in the windows the day that I left. In every window, 1,600 women were beating the bars and crying my name, screaming my name, Miss Alice, don't forget about us. Mm. It sounded like an earthquake. I can't forget about them because I'm free, but I'm still one of them. Mm. When you see a face and you hear a story, that changes things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it really does. It personalizes it. Mm. So you've also recently released a book that talks more about this. Tell us about the book. Yes, it's called Afterlife. My journey from incarceration into freedom. And by the way, Ellen, um, a major motion picture oh. is going to be made based upon my book. Wow. I guess that's not surprising. It is such a such an interesting story. So I'm very excited about that. So if you want to hear more of the story, the book is Afterlife. So it's being, your book is being made into a major motion picture. Who do you want to play you? Who do you imagine might it might be? There have been some incredible A-listers, actresses who are in line requesting to play me. So I'm <laughs> I'm really afraid to say who my preference is because what if she don't get it? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you are you still friends with Kim? Oh yes, I was just with uh, I was just with Kanye 
this past Saturday. You were? Yes, he was at a Awaken 2020 event. And so Kim made sure that I had front row seats. Uh, me and my children, we went backstage with him. We took pictures with him. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm very close to Kim and her family. Oh, we, we text each other. We don't go for any length of time without uh, being about without communicating with each other. You see, when I other people knew Kim as a celebrity. Since I did know who Kim mm. was, when I met her, I met her as a friend. Right. And so I, I wasn't all of this, I'm meeting a celebrity. I met my friend who was fighting for me, who helped me come home to my family, and who told me that she would never stop fighting, that no matter what happened, she wouldn't stop fighting. And I've, ch- I've impacted Kim's life, too. She's quick to tell you that it was Miss Alice, meeting Miss Alice, when they asked her what changed her. She said, my story changed her, meeting me, meeting my family. Now she is studying to be an attorney herself. She has become a force out in, in criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. She um, has a, She's about to do something called the Kim Kardashian West Justice Project that's going to air on Oxygen on April the 5th, and I'm, I'm the first story on that. Oh, wow. So it sounds like you're, she's continuing on the theme. It's not this that she, she got you out, and now she feels like she's done and moving on. She's, it's, it's an issue that has impacted her, and she's going to continue to work on it. It has impacted her. She'll tell you her life will never be the same again. It's been incredible to kind of watch them, um, but they have really dug in to what they believe in, and they're actually making a difference in, in causes that they care about. Um, and, it, and it has been incredible to see. Kudos to them. Yes. Anytime that you stand up for what you believe in, mm-hmm. someone is not going to like it. Right. So you can't be stopped when people praise you, nor can you be stopped when they persecute you. You've got to keep on going because either one of those can make you non-effective. Yep. Well, it's just been such a pleasure to hear the firsthand account of just this amazing, confusing, compelling story. I'm so glad and grateful that it had a a happy ending for you and that you're continuing to make sure that other people have have that same happy ending. And I'll be continuing to watch your work on this area, and it's just an honor to be with you. Thank you. And I ask everyone, please keep continue to pray for me, too. Oh, I need those prayers. Yeah, we, we, we will certainly do that. Is there how can people get in touch with you if they want if they want to follow, you know, your story, your journey? Are you on social media uh, now? A li- yeah, a little bit. I'm on Twitter as Alice Marie Free. OK. I'm on Instagram also as Alice Marie Free. OK. And Alice Marie Johnson. I'm trying to still figure this Facebook stuff out. I'm on Facebook, too, <laughs> uh, under Alice Marie Free. They used to say, free Alice Marie. So I am now Alice, Alice Marie, Marie Free. Free. Yes. Oh, that's a great note to end on. I, I really love that. Well, thanks, Alice, and um, we'll continue to watch all of the good work that you're doing in criminal justice reform. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. Do you have a story or a question you want answered? send me a note at ellen at stepuppodcast.com. Also, give Step Up a rating and review in Apple Podcasts so we can reach and inspire more women. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm Ellen Troxclair. Thanks for listening. Now go advocate like a woman.